That was amazing, man. We got to do it like that every week. We got to do it like that every week. Hallelujah. All right, this morning, we're going to keep going in our direction with the, with our series, Believe You Receive, and talking about the anointing. We're mixing kind of a couple of them together. And uh, today's the title of today's message is going to be Four Things That Happen When You Step Out of the Boat. Four things that happen when you step out of the boat. Now, sometimes stepping out of the boat can be uh, your choice. Sometimes stepping out of the boat is not your choice. Sometimes you get pushed out the boat, right? And so you find yourself in some circumstance. Sometimes the circumstances, you arrive at these circumstances and, and you're choosing, right? You arrive at the circumstances you're choosing. Sometimes the, the, when you arrive at the circumstances, it wasn't your choice. You just showed up in the circumstances, Amen. And so we're going to talk about four things that happen, whether you step out of the boat, you get pushed out of the boat, whatever. We're going to look at those things. And uh, so the first one I want to talk about this morning, let me, let me just pray again. Lord, I just thank you for giving me this word. I thank you for this opportunity to talk to your people again. And I pray that uh, everyone's spiritual ears be open. I pray you forgive me for any sin I've committed knowingly or unknowingly, anything that would hinder uh, uh, our communication this morning. I thank you and I love you. And again, I thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to serve in, in this great capacity to be able to speak to people and help them uh, to connect with you and to, and to move along with you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Um, got a little bit of an echo, PB. Get me to a, a, a echoless place and, and we can roll. All right. Uh, so here we, here we go. The first thing is, is that... Uh, you will the experience and four things that happen when you step out of the boat. The experience as a whole is a blessing. Whatever whatever you go through, that experience as a whole is just a gigantic blessing. All right. So uh, we, we, well, the basis of this is we talked about Peter last week, and we learned uh, that Peter. We looked at the scriptures and we uh, saw that Peter that Jesus didn't need saving. Right. Peter stepped out of the boat because he wanted to. Right, it was eleven other guys sitting in the boat. All eleven of them, I believe, all, they all could have walked on the water, but only one chose. He said, "I'm, I'm going to come out there." You know, you got that one friend. How many of you ever been to the amusement park and you got that one friend that say, "I'm gonna ride everything," yeah. right? Now, now I'm not that friend, right? <laughs> you got that one friend that says, "I'm gonna ride everything," and, and I'm, I'm the one to hold the bags and the hats, yeah. right? Y'all go get on, and I'll hold the bags and the hats, and I'll be right here. Yeah, leader, your kids can stay with me. You know, yeah, because the kids, they can't get on or whatever. So that's a good excuse not to have to get on. Right. Just let me keep the kids. I want to hang out with them today. Hey, y'all want some ice cream? You know, we'll be either right here at the ice cream. Y'all go head on. Right. And so uh, it's kind of like that. But Peter was that dude that's like, yeah, I want to get on that, you know, the ride. And it, you know, spins around and, and, and takes you, shoots you up, uh, up 100 feet in the air, upside down at 100 miles an hour. He's that guy. Right. And so he jumped out of the boat and said, hey, you know, I just want to come. And so for the rest of his life, uh, he had that experience that he could think about, that he could, you know, think back on, that he could look at. Nothing, nobody could ever take that experience away from him. And his faith caused him to have that experience. Amen. Right? So we're still talking about Peter walking on the water today because of his faith. Right? The brother said, I just want, look, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out there. And I can just imagine the other brothers in the boat, you know, and you know how some people we do, we all do it like that. Why he got to always be the one? You know, they have a conversation in the boat. Why he always got to be the one to jump up and, and go and, 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 and do that? Why, why it got to be him? 
Right? You know, he can, why can't he just ever, can he just ever sit down and just, you know, let it come to him and do? No, you know, but it's your choice. And we got that in the body of Christ. Some of us just sit down and we let it come to us. Some of us say, no, we're fixing to attack. Right? We, we going at it, right? And so Peter was that type of guy. And like I said, you couldn't take that story away from him. I've got things that, uh, situations that all of us do. The things that we survive in our lives, whether we stepped out of the boat and we caused the adversity to come our way or we were pushed out of the boat and wound up in the adversity. All of us have things in our lives that we've gone through that we can sit down and we can tell stories of things that happened. I was talking to Brother Cooper yesterday. He told me a story of something that happened in his life. And it, it was funny now, but it wasn't funny at the time. And it's, you know, it's not real life threatening, but I'm sure at that time in his life, he was pretty shook up about it. But he kept telling the story of the time he worked uh, as a short order cook in a hamburger shop, which he, he withheld that information this, all these months and didn't release it. <laughs> And I'm, I wasn't excited about that, uh, you know, but he's telling the story of how when he was a younger man, uh, before he went to the military, they would, the, the, the ice cream man would come and, and he unload the stuff in the back and, and the Cooper, brother Cooper and his friends would tip out to the back door and get some of the ice cream off the truck. And so the man knew it was innocent or whatever. They wasn't, you know, uh, doing anything wrong. They were taking samples, right? And so, but the man, the man wanted to have fun with them the way they was having fun with him. So he asked brother Cooper to, to uh, to get him and help him load some stuff in the truck or either unload it, he found himself in the back of the truck and the man slammed the, the, the truck and he's in the cooler, pitch dark, right? In the truck. And so, the, you know, how long you say that was? You stay back there? A few minutes? A few minutes, but, he, but hey, listen, a few minutes in the pitch dark and cold back of a truck and he don't really, now, now I'm thinking if it's me, I don't know about him, but I'm thinking, did I just, you know, is he a psycho? You know what I mean? <laughs> Is he going to take off down the road with me in the back of the ice cream truck? You know, and then for, let's take it a step further. Obviously, these things go through your mind. Is he going to find an undisclosed area and, and bury me somewhere, you know? Am, am I really in trouble, right? So, so, but now, he he did not, the man was not a psycho. The man, you know, of course he didn't get buried nowhere. He's here with us this morning. But, 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 you know, we can laugh about it now when you're in the back of the ice cream truck every second. It's, you know, it's terrible. So no matter what happens and experiences, we can sit down. There are sometimes there are more serious things that happen in your life. You know, uh, my sister uh, Sherry has a very serious story of the life of uh, losing her son. Uh, and so, you know, and then we went through a lot of that experience with her. But she can sit down there and she can share that with people that are going through something similar to that and how, how she survived it and how her family survived it. So again, you know, sometimes you, you jump into stuff, sometimes you get pushed into stuff. We got tragedies. Everybody's got all different kind of stories of things that happen in their life. And, and you're going to come out of that with a story, yeah. right? And so uh, in, in, in the times that you jump and that you take risks, understand that you're going to leave out of that thing with a story. You're going to come out of there, come back and say, I learned some things over here. I picked up this, I picked up that. All these things happen. When I, when I jumped out here or when I got pushed out there, this is what happened to me. The second thing that's going to happen, uh, the first thing is your experience as a, as a whole. Uh, when, whenever you get pushed out of the boat or you step out of the boat, your experience as a whole, is uh, your story is going to happen. Uh, you're going to get that. The second thing is your faith is going to be tested. Right? Your, your faith is going to be tested. It's going to be time to put into practice what you believe. Right? So the first thing is, you're going to have your experience, you're going to have your story. The second thing is, your faith's about to be tested. Do you really believe what you say you believe? Right? So Peter, let's look at Peter's case. Peter jumps out of the boat, and, uh, you know, he's, he's out there walking on the water, and then there's a contradiction to, uh, to what he's experiencing. 
Right? There's a direct contradiction because you can, and let's just go that with, you know, the older we get, sometimes we want to abandon our imagination. Do you understand your imagination is your greatest tool in helping you understand what God's doing? Yeah, amen. Right? That's why God gave it to you. It's a communication tool. Because when we read stuff, I need to see. I need to, I need to hear the sound of the ocean. I need to hear the water splashing on the boat. I need to see and feel like water between the toes. And you know, some of them got on their little, their little gowns they used to wear. I don't know what they call them. Thing. You know, their little dress they used to wear, right? They, some water splashed up on it, right? And you know, I don't know if it's salt water, fresh sea water, whatever. Just like everybody in the boat. How big was the boat? Was they a rowboat? You know, you know how was, what was it like? Was it fish in the boat? You know, what was going on? I needed, my imagination needed to take me. Yeah, was it smelling? You know, did they, did they bathe? I, I was, what was the whole environment like? So I'm, I'm thinking about that. And, and I put myself out there in that situation. Now, Peter, man, put yourself in a gown, one of them gowns, disciple gown, right? And put yourself walking on that water. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine walking on the water? Your feet, you're just supposed to sink. Every step, every millisecond you standing on that water, man, this ain't supposed to be happening. But I keep going. Wow. Wow. And you're coming closer to Jesus, and I bet Jesus, I know Jesus had to be smiling. Wow. And then all of a sudden, contradiction comes. And I'm in, I don't know how deep the water was, but I, now I got a problem. I was, it, the first thing, now I used, I was laughing and having fun, but now I'm concerned. Right? And so, so the contradiction came. All of this as a result of stepping out of the boat. Right? It's, it works the same way with you. When you, when you decide you're gonna do something, you step out of the boat and make a decision. Then sometimes in the beginning you can be winning or things can be going well, but a contradiction is going to come, often come. That don't mean you miss God because a contradiction comes, right? That's the way it is. You're going you're gonna to face adversity, circumstances are going to happen, but it's how you respond to the circumstances, right? So, so what, did, what, did, uh, what happened when Peter sank? Right, so Jesus grabbed him. Understand something, when you get pushed out of the boat, or you jump out of the boat, Jesus is going to be right there. If you start sinking, he's going to grab you. He's not going to let you drown. He got you. Right? Let's keep going. because The end part is where I'm going I'm to hang out for a while. The third thing that happens when you step out of the boat or you go through an experience of being pushed out of the boat is that your faith grows. Right? Your faith is going to have to grow through this experience. Right, so can you imagine? Let's let's look at Peter again. I step out of the boat, man. I, listen, nobody can ever take that away from. I, look, if it was me, I'd go. Everybody tell me I see somebody. You know, I walked on. You know, I walked on the water. <laughs> Every person I meet, I walked, I walked. yeah, that was me. We was all in the boat. I walked on the water. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was cool. My feet was wet. <laughs> you know. I, I walked on the water. Everywhere I go, I, I got that. Nobody can take that away from me. What got me that? My faith. Hey, hey. My faith got me that experience that nobody can take from me. Amen. Right? And then not only did my faith give me the experience of walking on the water, but my faith got me the experience of knowing that when I jump out and I take and I step out in faith, that God will grab me when I start sinking. Yeah, yeah. Got me knowing that. Got me knowing that. So, so now, the next time when I have a situation, I step out and I begin to sink. Guess what I know? I know I've been here before. Yeah. Right? And so the last time, because of the experience that I had, I know that Jesus is going to get me. 
I've been here before, right? So we're not going to be afraid to take steps out of the boat. We're not going to be afraid when we get pushed out of the boat. Because we understand that there's a God that walks on the water all the time. He don't drown, and all he has to do is reach his hand out and get you when you start to drown. Amen? Amen. So your faith is going to grow. Let's look at something. 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verse 34, starting in verse 34. David. David, here, look, let's listen to what David says. So this is the story when, when everybody's running away from Goliath. Don't nobody want nothing to do with Goliath. He's like that MMA fighter that, that nobody wants to fight, right? Brock Lesnar thought he was that guy, but proved very quickly he wasn't that guy, right? And so he, nobody wants to fight Goliath, but look, David says, hey, sometimes, listen, that when you got a heart for God and something needs to happen, it's just going to come out your mouth before you even start thinking, I'll fight him. <laughs> When you understand something, when you're that kind of servant of God and something that needs to be done from uh, from some kind of kingdom standpoint, sometimes you open up your mouth before you even think about what you said. I'll do it. That's the kind of heart he had for God. But but behind that heart for God, he, gets, he had some experiences too. Let's read about it, what he tells him. But uh, David said to Saul, your servant... Used to keep his father's sheep because Saul said, "Man, you don't, you're, you're too small. You go out there trying to fight this guy; he's going to cream you." But the whole thing about it, y'all get that? Y'all see? I, I use that old uh, uh, what's that show? Leave it to Beaver term right there, cream you. Y'all haven't heard that one? Anybody familiar with Leave It to Beaver? Wally and all of them, Eddie Haskell, cream you. Oh man, come on! I got to go look that up on YouTube, young folks. Eddie Haskell, he was a terrible friend. Terrible friend. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Saul tells him, he says, you're going to get, you're going to suffer the beat down of a lifetime. You go out there. I applaud your courage, but you don't need to go. Now, what, what we, what we forget about is that the, the, uh, Philistines wanted to make a deal and they were actually choosing who was going to fight. And they said, Hey, send us out your biggest man, right? And we'll fight your biggest man. Your biggest man fight our biggest man. And so the scripture says that, uh, does anybody here know who was the biggest man amongst the Israelites? Saul. Saul. It says he was head and shoulders above everybody. So really what they said was, they just didn't call him by name. I want to fight Saul. And Saul was like, uh, who is our biggest guy? You know what I mean? Who's our biggest guy? You know, what's wrong, something wrong with your back? You hurt? No. Uh, you know, so he really wanted to fight Saul, but Saul was having none of it. And then Saul, Saul tried to talk David out of it. So here's David's response. But David said unto Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And a lion, uh, when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb uh, uh, from its mouth. <clears throat> from his mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck him and I killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, "The Lord who listen, somebody say the Lord." The Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and let the Lord be with you, right? So David wasn't just, this wasn't his first rodeo, no. right? David said, I, I fought a lion and I fought a bear. He said, it's going to be the same thing. I'm up against something that I shouldn't win against, but the Lord was with me. I got my experience that I had from the lion and from the bear, and I'm going to take it into this whole fight right here. 
Yeah. Right? So when you when you when you have those kind of experiences like that, your faith grows. David just said, I believe I can whoop him because I done been through this with God before. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we don't listen, we're not trying to run away from things that God is taking us through. We want to go through that, we want to have the experience, we want to come out on the other side, we want to come out stronger because let me tell you something, it might not be the last time you face something like this. Yeah. That's right. So David said, I done been here before. All y'all running? He said, but I listen. I, he said, I was out keeping sheep. Now understand something. David, humble guy, unassuming guy, all of the big soldiers with the uniforms, you know, they, they all out there. They not trying to go fight them. David's the sheep guy. Bring the food guy. Bring the lunch guy. Right? But he said, I'll fight. Don't even have no uniform. Don't have nothing. And so Saul said, well, here, you can take my armor. David said, no, nah, I got, I take this out to the field with me every day. I got this slingshot and these rocks and I'm going to go at him with this. I, and can you imagine everybody thought David was stupid? You, you see how big that dude is? He's talking about a slingshot? Well, let the young fella go. You know? <laughs> let the young fella go. Nobody else want to go. Let the young fella go. Go ahead, young fella. Just shoot your best shot. Y'all pick him up when he knock him down. Dig a hole over there and put his body when he can't be back shortly. Right? So that, I'm sure everybody counted him out. But but this is the thing about it. This is what we've been talking about. The God factor. Right? When we're talking about believe you receive, we're talking about God being in the middle of the thing. We're talking about the anointing. Uh, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. Right? So it's because of the spirit of the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So God's with David. David understands that. Saul does, obviously does not understand this situation. Right? So David goes out there, we understand that he whoops him. And then, listen, he, David, oh, I love David so much, man. He's one of my favorite. If you're a guy and you, you're having a tough time, uh, you know, uh, uh, being, getting acclimated to church and Christianity, read about David. He was a man's man. Right? He had problems, but he was a man's man. And, but he was a worshiper. And so he would always do stuff. He would mess up, and then he'd get back in line. But he was a man's man. And that's one of the things when I first started serving God. Is when I, I was go to church, I'm like, man, everybody, the men in the church, they they, they weak. You know, they're not, they're not they're not my type of guy. And I start reading and learning about David, and I said, like, man, wow. Then I learned that the men in the church, they wasn't weak. They just was tamed by the Holy Ghost. Calm that down. Right? So there's probably a room full of people in here that used to act real bad before. Matter of fact, I know some of the people in the room. Man, so we're not wimps. We just tame by the power of God. Matter of fact, some of us, the lion gets loose out of the cage on some, some occasion. We have to bring the thing back in, right? So, so, but David was a man's man. So here's David. He said, from a little kid, he said, I beat the lion, I beat the bear, and then he, not only does that, he whoops this guy, right? He, he whoops Goliath, takes Goliath's sword, chops his head off, then starts parading the head around the town. So he looked to me, he's just getting emboldened with everything that he does. His faith is growing. I whooped the lion, I whooped the bear. Little man took down big man. And I got his head to prove it. That's what happens. Your faith grows every challenge, every fight that you go through. Your faith is growing. You just keep going, keep growing, keep going, keep growing. You keep going, you keep growing. Every time you go through a battle, you come out of the other side of that stronger. Amen? And that's exactly what happened to David. Um, the fourth thing is that... Is this three, number three? No, that makes it five then. Faith grows. Third thing is faith grows. The fourth thing is that you'll receive a fresh anointing after you come out of the experience. Amen. Right? You got a new anointing. You go to another level. 
Every time you go through the experience. First Kings 18, 45. Elijah had defeated the prophets of Baal. And Elijah came out of that thing with a fresh anointing. Let's read verse 45. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and the wind. And therefore was very uh, there was a very heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and girded up his loins. And he ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. So listen, Ahab was the king. The king does not ride horses with the ribs showing on the side, right? His horses are going to be strong. His horses are going to be the best they had. Now, there was a drought. Now, he probably horses wasn't in tip-top condition, but they wasn't them ones that, that looked like they're about to pass out at any second, <laughs> right? Gasping for air over there. So the Bible says that, are you reading? It says that they have rode, and it say he walked. They used, to, they used these specific words. That they have rode to Jezreel. It said, and Elijah outran him. Ahab is riding. Elijah is running. Ahab started before Elijah, but Elijah outran the king's horses. Fresh anointing come over him after this experience. Nothing but God can cause that to happen. Right? So that's the fourth thing. Let's recap again. We're going into the last thing. That's where I'm spending the most time. First thing is, so so changing notes is five things that happen when you step out of the boat instead of four or five things. First thing is, the experience that you, 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 uh, as, that you go through as a whole the second thing is that your faith is tested. The third thing is <clears throat> that your faith grows. The fourth thing is that you receive a fresh anointing. And the fifth thing is that God will always help you in sur- surprising ways once you get out there. Amen. Listen, you, you're telling God, I need you to do this and I need you to do that. You don't really need God to do nothing until you get until you really need him to do it. And once you get yourself out there, God will show up in ways that you never imagined he would show up. Let's go back to, let's look at Peter again. Peter got himself out of the boat, right? And when the Lord needed, first he was doing fine. And one, but when, at the time when the Lord needed him, the Lord rescued him. The Bible says that in Jesus' case, now Jesus 100% knew everything that he was going to go through. Right, he knew that he was going to be crucified. He told me, said that they destroyed his temple, raised it up in three days. I don't know how many different ways he could tell him what we was going to go through. But the Bible says that angels came and strengthened Jesus when he was on the cross. Right, so so God's going to show up and help you out when you need it. Moses got uh, Moses got over there and saw God do all of the miracles of the plagues. Right, so it wasn't until Moses, Moses went at his, at his instructions, but Moses got in the middle of it and God started showing out. Right, so he, t- he gave him a little sample with the stick and the snake. He got a sample, but he gets over there to the palace. You remember, you got to use your imagination and put yourself there. He pulls up, however, it looks, you see these big old pyramids and gold stuff and these heads with these dudes' heads on them and all these people walking around with these perfect tans and muscles and looking like Yul Brynner, you know, and, and outfits and all that and people making noise in the cartoons and moving rocks and all that kind of stuff. And you, it, that's something awesome to see. And he shows up over there, right? Now he's got to have a showdown. I done picked the stick up off the ground. That's good, but ain't nobody in front of me right now, right? So once he gets over there, he got the stick, but it's a whole bunch of people now. And he got to deal with the pharaoh. So he gets over there to the Pharaoh, and what, what does God do? God starts to do miracles yeah. when he needed them. 
when he needed them. And that's the thing about it. We don't want to get out there in the middle of it because we don't know what's going to happen. Listen, you can't know what's going to happen. You might not know how it's going to happen, but understand when you get out there, God's going to do what he got to do. He's going to provide you supernatural help in the time of need when you get yourself in the middle of the situation. But the problem is, a lot of us don't want to get out there. We heard the term, I've said it here before, is that out on the limb is where all of the fruit is. You can't get the fruit unless you get out on the limb. Right? So you got to get yourself out there. Once you, once you get started. Ryan's on a project right now, and I remember having a conversation with him, and I said, hey, listen, you got to step up, you got to do something. One of the most real conversations I've ever had with anybody, and it, was, it wasn't my smarts, it was just God. Hey, you got to do something. You got to do something. And so now he started a journey, and this journey is taking him. I'm talking about every day I'm talking to him, and he's having experiences with God. His family's having experiences with God. Changing his whole life. And the journey ain't even ended. And possibilities have opened up for him that if he would, listen, he could have just sat in the boat. I ain't, ain't going to do nothing. But now in his mind, he's like, you know what? All things are possible with God. Yes, yes. All things are possible with God. So, so what are you, listen. What, what boat are you sitting in right now that you're scared to step out of? That you know you need to step out of? Let me tell you something. Boats start taking on water. You got to do something. You can keep bailing water. You can, you can look for an exit strategy. Sometimes you got to do something. Oh, I ain't going to do nothing. Listen, the boat ain't safe no more. It's taking on water. You got to do something. And see, see, but then you start making excuses as to why, you know, you like this boat. And why you, you know, oh, well, this is my first boat. This is my safe boat. I don't care if it's your first boat, your safe boat. Do you did you hear what I said? The boat is taking on water. I don't care what you what kind of connections emotionally you got to the boat. You got to do something. Something got to change. And I'm telling you, a lot of times God uses that something got to change to put you in a, a situation where you experience Him like you never have before. Yeah. Some, listen, some of us won't get out of the boat unless it starts sinking. And them other boys, them other 11 boys, let that boat start taking on water. We already seen how they act in that storm before. We know what they're capable of. When they hit that, that first storm that time, they're talking about, oh, the wake up, Jesus. So we know they get moving and want something done when that storm hit. Let that boat start taking on water and see how they start acting. And it, but it's a shame that we have to get to that place. We don't have to do that. Faith puts you in the position before the boat starts taking on water that you make up your mind you're going to do something. You got to do something. Listen, now, one of the things I was talking to uh, Pastor Cheryl this week and I told her, I said, hey, listen, I need you to pray for me. And I said, uh, one of the things the devil tries to jack with me about is that I'm going I'm to tire myself out because of everything that I'm doing. I'm going to wear myself out. I'm going to tire myself out. And the Lord has spoke to me, <clears throat> I think it was right before I, I had the heart attack. Uh, and he told me, no, it was after. He said, no, I was, cause I was carrying some wood across the street. And I had been working what I thought, I thought, I thought at the time I was working hard. But I, I never knew what working hard was. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I never knew. I thought I was working hard at the time. And so I'm going across the street with that wood and I said, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm concerned I'm going to push myself to the point, you know, what if I pass out right here in the street? I, you know, that's stupid. <laughs> you know, but you, you say stupid stuff when, when God ain't thinking with you. I said, what if I pass out in the middle of the street and this wood just be on top of me? <laughs> and I said, it's, it's hot out here. My face is going to be all up against the concrete. <laughs> I'm thinking about that. You know, my face all up against the concrete and I'm hot. You know, Lori ain't going to know where I'm at. 
<laughs> I don't want the whole scenario, you know, Sister Alice, I got the whole scenario for <laughs> Wood on top of me and everything. The only thing I didn't think about is the car running over me. <laughs> I didn't think about that. And the Lord, the Lord said to me, he said, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. And he kept telling me, he said, don't, he said, don't, don't be scared. Don't be scared, you're going to get tired. He said, I got you. And that's the thing. Like it's a funny thing. I'm not concerned about everything that's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm, I'm gonna wear myself out, right? But then, in a, in a normal case scenario, I would, I would say, yeah, you should be. But the Lord told me, and I'm sure that He told me, I'm with you every step. Like He meant every little step you take. I got you, yeah. right? Then my friend called me on the phone. Yeah, I remember he came and preached for us a couple times. Joe Ragland got the prophetic here. He don't know what I've been going through. He don't know what's been going on in my life. And Joe, he tells me, he says, people are going to wonder where you're getting the energy and the strength from. You start, I didn't tell him nothing about what's going on. He said, they're going to wonder where you're getting the energy and the strength from. And that was just nothing but God confirming. Right? Hallelujah. Listen, I, I done learned how to, how, to, how to adjust. and You know how you get that ram sleep? If the more you tie yourself out, the easier it is to get. If all you're going to get is three or four hours, guess what it's going to be like? <laughs> right and then you pop up and you go on but man once when you get yourself out there God will sustain you yeah. right if it's a God thing he'll sustain you now you get out there and do something by yourself I can't speak I can't speak to that right so they send the angel to strengthen Jesus while he's on the cross Moses got over there right and, and, and he's doing battle with Pharaoh and God starts to send all of these plagues right and then you remember when they got over to the Red Sea and it looked like they were trapped you remember that Right, so listen, at God's word, at God's word, God told Moses, he said, listen, go get the people. I want y'all to get, get the people out of there. So then he talking to Pharaoh, Pharaoh, no, you can't take this, you can't take that. So then it, they, they done left with all the stuff. I told y'all, it's just a, it's a sight to be seen. Mink coats and gold and people ain't never had none before in their life. Walking out of there with all them people's valuables, stuff so heavy they can't even hold themselves up. Just smiling, you know. Two or three teeth in their head. It's, it's never, just never had nothing. Just coming out of that place, right? Just riches. God turned the whole thing around, right? And so then they get over to a place where after God, it seemed like God then pulled the thing off. Right? And then they, they get over there and they say, well, we stuck. Hey, man, you ain't stuck. Look, God did all these seven plagues and all this other stuff that he just did. But that's the way we get. And because that's part of our human nature, though, is we want to know how we're going to get out of here. Matter of fact, I go places and, and you got a whole bunch of people parked somewhere. I want to know. When it's play, when it's over with, which what you know the football game, basketball game, which way we gonna leave? What time we leaving? Two minutes or whatever. You think about how you gonna get out of that. It's human nature, right? So they get over there and they stuck and they got all these people's money and all these valuables. And what's the first thing they say? We should have never left. We should have stayed over there. The, the boat was taking on water. The man's killing y'all, treating you terrible. And some folks is praying so God got the honor them. You just along for the ride, even though you didn't pray. <laughs> You're riding off the prayers of the other people, right? So God, God, they get over there and they get to this water. They're like, what we going to do now? Everybody hates the what we going to do now moments. But if you're ever going to do anything in your life, come on. if you're ever going to do anything in your life, you have to learn to be excited about the what we going to do now moment. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to. Now, can I tell the truth? Russ? Anybody? Chris? If you got, if you got a business... You're going to find yourself in them, I, I, what am I going to do now moments? You're going to find yourself in how I'm going to pay the bills. I can't pay this. I can't do that. It's going to get, those moments are going to come. 
And no matter what it is, you get married. When you stand in front of the preacher and you say, I do, and you get home, everybody that I marry, I give them my card. I say, look, now, when y'all start having problems, give me a call. I'm talking about the day of the wedding. As soon as the music stops and everybody, before they start taking pictures, that's my next speech. Hey, look, take this. When y'all start having problems, give me a call. Because you're going to have problems. Unless you're not married. You get married, you're going to have some problems. Right? But that's okay. That's okay. But how do I know? Because I've been in them what we're going to do now moments. Arguments so big, there's no way we can put this back together. What we're going to do now? But you know what? The Lord come through, send somebody, fix it. And here we are, 12, 27 years later. 27, 25, 26, 27. She don't get mad. She don't, because she don't even know. She don't. How many years have you been married? Tell the truth. Put it on the spot. Don't give me no guesstimation like I just did. Yeah, give me, give me everything. Give me what you got. 25, 26, 27. Right. See that? It don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. But over the years, you know, we've gone through things. We've gone through things, and that's the way it is. We know. You think you can't put it back together. I can't tell you how many times we thought we wasn't going to be able to put it back together. But the Lord. But the Lord. That's why it's so important that two people listen. Let me tell you something. You married to somebody, you need to be in church. You need to be, you need to have friends that are church people because inevitably it's gonna come. Right? And the worst thing that happens is, is that you got some person that won't listen to God. Now you got yourself a problem. Right? Because now they just like, they listening to their girlfriends, they listen to their friends and this, that, and the other, and not trying to listen to God. And then we got to, we got to get the prayer team involved. Right? That get their ears open. I'm trying to tell you. I done seen it. Listen, listen to me. First off, marry somebody that go to church that got a relationship with God, number one. But if you new, newly married, and you ain't been going to church, listen, you, you, hey, you need to be here. Because if you ever start, I'm trying to tell you, if you ever start having problems, and you got that one that won't listen to God. Is that my telling the truth? That's the hardest case? One of them won't listen to God. Y'all do a lot of marriage counseling. You know that. One that won't listen to God, that's causing the problem right there. Right? So you want you want people to to listen to the Lord. You want people to hear God. Because God's going to be the one sending the healing. Amen? So no matter what you do, you, you find yourself in this situation stuck. God will, will take care of you. Last thing I'm going to say is this. We're, well, no, it ain't. This is the time before. Last example. Remember Jesus told the disciples, he said, let's go over to the other side. Right? He said, we're going to go across the other side. And that's when they got caught in the storm. It was Jesus' instructions. Jesus' instructions, right? But when they got caught in the middle of the storm, who was there to help them? He was right there with them to deliver them out of it. You listen, you have to learn to be comfortable. And I don't know what I'm going to do moments. Because then when your strength runs out, that's when God's strength stands up. You have to learn how to be comfortable in them type of moments. So they go through this storm. Jesus stands up, he rebukes the storm, right? You're talking about energy. Jesus, they go through the storm, but he was, he was, he, what he, he called a nap. He was catching that power nap and they messed him up. Cause he knew what he was gonna deal with. So, so they wake him up from the power nap, he dismisses the storm, and then you flip over to the next chapter, Mark chapter 5, he hops out of the boat, and who's the first person they encounter? Well, you need a power nap before you get involved in that. They say they come to the graveyard and the dude with the demons, the first person they see. Yeah. Right? And so listen, I'm gonna help you with this. I don't care how much in bondage you are, I don't care how stuck you feel. If Jesus has to travel overnight through a tornado, he will come and get you. Yes. 
That brother had been in bondage for years. And Jesus knew how important it was. He said, listen, we don't have time to deal with these storms because there's a guy that I have an appointment with in the morning don't even know I got an appointment with him. Yeah, hallelujah. And the Bible says of this guy that they tried to tame him with chains and fetters. They listen, in today's uh, situation, they didn't try to give this brother here drugs, psychotropic drugs. They didn't try to lock him up in the prison system and neither one of them could help this brother. Prison system couldn't help him. Psychotropic drugs couldn't help him. The only thing that could help him was Jesus. Amen. And so Jesus said, listen, where we going tomorrow is too important. Got up and dismissed that storm and they got over there and saved their brother's life. Hallelujah. Last thing I'm going to say, this, this is the last thing, not last example, last thing. A lot of times we, we ask ourselves, we say, well, did I miss it because I didn't step out of the boat? Did I miss it because I didn't step out of the boat? There was a guy, famous story of a guy in the Bible by the name of Jonah. And that brother said, I'm not going. Hmm. I see, it's not a problem where he didn't see an open window. He just said he's not going through it. I'm not going. I ain't going over there to these Nineveh people because I know I get over there and I start telling them how you finna spank them and then you're a good daddy you say it's gonna change your mind you ain't gonna do it. Right? I'm, I'm not going. Right? So Jonah, we know the story of Jonah. Jonah finds himself. He didn't, matter of fact, he didn't find himself. We always say that. I say that a million times but the Bible does not say he found himself. The Bible said that God prepared a great fish. Somebody say it. Say it with me. Say God prepared. He prepared that way, right? So when we look at it, we say, man, that's terrible to be stuck in the belly of the whale. But was it, though? Because Jonah would have died if he would have been in that belly of that fish. He would have drowned. And not only that, so the fish preserved him. And not only that, the fish took him. Took him right to the place where he was supposed to be. Just a little detour, but God prepared a fish to take it. So listen, you might think you missed it, but you may just be in the belly mm-hmm. of the whale. Like my wife said, Uber, Uber whale on the way. And God spit you out right where you were supposed to be at. Now that brother's in the stomach of that whale, he, probably, he could have thought that whale was taking him the exact opposite direction, no matter how many hundreds of miles. So we know there wasn't a coincidence that the whale dropped him off. The whale had God GPS. Dropped that brother off right where he was supposed to go. And, and listen, here's another one we can spend some time on where we not. Think about his experience. And he did get pushed off the boat. <laughs> Peter stepped out of the boat and Jonah got pushed off the boat. So he got pushed off the boat, had an experience. We can run all five of these through him. His faith got tested. His faith grew. He received a fresh anointing. And he saw God work in ways he never saw God work before. Right? So he's over there in the belly of this well. So if that's you, and you feel like you missed it, let me tell you something. God will prepare a fish for you to catch it. You might not like it being in the stomach of that fish. All of that algae and stank dead fish you've been eating inside of that might not be where you want to be. But praise God, God will get that fish to take you where you're supposed to be. Amen. 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 Give God a hand this morning. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good.